Welcome. We trust you will be encouraged by this message from Mahesh and Bonnie Chavda by Chavda Ministries International. Real love, real people, real power. Glory to God. You may be seated. Today is the beginning of Hanukkah. So you can turn to your neighbor and say, Happy Hanukkah. Happy Hanukkah. We are also going to have, we are looking forward to Christmas. And I want a special thanks to our youth group and Sarah Chavda, Michael and Mary uh, who kind of prepared us today and uh, I love the Christmas tree. I'm a big believer in Christmas trees. You can believe with me for a Christmas tree for my own house too. Uh, I'm believing. So, this is in the Gospel of John. I'll read it to you. Gospel of John, chapter 10, starting with verse 22. Now it was the feast of dedication in Jerusalem, and it was winter. That's a beautiful, that's a great setting. So this was happening, the feast of dedication, or Hanukkah. It's another name. Hanukkah means dedication. Correct. And uh, and it was winter. Have you, have you ever had a chance to be in Jerusalem in the winter? I have. I've been invited uh, to preach during winter time, deep winter in Jerusalem, and I was happy to fulfill that invitation. I flew all the way to Jerusalem and ministered to this conference and. They're wonderful people and gracious. But it was snowing in Jerusalem. I'd never seen snow. You don't think of snow in Jerusalem, but it was. Um, So Jesus is part of this here. He says in verse 23, And Jesus walked in the temple in Solomon's porch. Then the Jews surrounded him and said to him, How long do you keep it? You keep us in doubt. And then they went to their religious controversy. But the occasion is Hanukkah. By the way, there was someone who was walking by a sign in the church at this time of the year which said, uh, to all our, the sign said, to all our Christian friends, Merry Christmas. To all our Jewish friends, Happy Hanukkah. To all, all our atheist friends, good luck. <laughs> well, Hanukkah is a celebration of victory. And uh, they were celebrating at that time. Um, so it's in the time of Jesus. They were celebrating something that happened approximately about 200 years, 170 years or so was the, the they were being oppre- really oppressed and uh, Israel was and the Jewish people and 
though, I mean, they were not allowed to worship. There were that even nasty soldiers from the oppressive government went through the temple and desecrated it. All the utensils, altars, all of that. So, so it's, you know, uh, in the schools, even today in Israel, it's about lights and light. Many of the Hanukkah celebrations begin in darkness. Then the light of a candle burns. And then other candles are lit. So, more and more candles. It's quite impressive. And the people say it's called Banu Hoset Legaresh. I don't know whether I can, I'm pretending I can, I know how to do it. But Banu Hosek Lagaresh. And it, it, what it means is we came to drive away the darkness. Amen. Say, Amen. we come to drive away. We come to drive away. The darkness. The darkness. And Jesus yeah. is light of the world. So as we have Jesus, we have the light. And it's supernatural light. I appreciate all of these lights. But this is, you know, out of electricity and we have to welcome it. But the light of Jesus is supernatural light. Yeah. On rare occasions, we've had a chance to see some of it. And oh, yeah. there's nothing like it. Uh, <clears throat> light overcomes the darkness. And uh, during this time, then the uh, followers of Judas Maccabeus uh, were able to come and th they were able to conquer about 40,000 soldiers <laughs> from the Syrian Empire that oppressed them. If you haven't had an opportunity to, during the next eight days or so, during the, the time of Hanukkah, you might want to go, you can go online um, and actually read the first book of Maccabees. If you're from the Catholic tradition and you still have your Catholic Bible, it's included in there, but in the Protestant um, version of the Bible because the Apocrypha books are not considered canon of Scripture from which, from which we get our doctrine, then the Protestant Bibles don't include the Apocrypha. But if you haven't read it, I really would encourage you, even uh, Martin Luther said, the book of the Maccabees is a good and worthy read. And specifically, um, the first eight chapters or so uh, talk about this time when the um, Hanukkah's, the first feast of Hanukkah actually came about. It was at a time of, as Pastor Mahesh said, of tremendous suppression of the Jewish religion and specifically an attempt by secular governing authorities. In this case, it was the Greek uh, empire that had determined the it whole... It was the leftover of the... From Alexander, uh, Alexander the Great. Alexander the Great. is amazing amount of territory conquered. And he died at a pretty early age. So some of his generals, they 
distributed different parts of the conquered Alexandrian uh, world, and this was this was part of it. So it was it was a time of tremendous political uh, upheaval in a way because you had all these different regions with different rulers, but the whole idea was to homogenize the whole world, give the whole world one language one culture, and essentially one religion, which was an assimilation of all kinds of pagan idols and gods. But the whole point was to absolutely ban and wipe out and ostracize everything about the revelation of the one true God. And that put Israel right in the crosshairs because their culture, their language, and their religion all centered around the revelation of being in covenant with the living God. And um, the, the timeline of Hanukkah actually, very excitingly, if you go again and look in your Bibles at Daniel's prophecies in chapter 10, 11, especially 12, he prophesied, and of course, Gabriel gave him all the information and it was so explicit about the rise of, uh, of ultimately Antiochus Epiphanes um, that was the, the man, the emperor, who was ruling at the particular time that the revolt of the priestly family, um, the, the Maccabees, uh, came to a head and they pushed back. And it, it'll, it'll really, really encourage you. It's, it's a very exciting uh, actual historical event. But I, I'll just read you a couple of things from First Maccabees in chapter 1. It says, In those days out of Israel came sons, transgressors of the law, and persuaded many, saying, Let us go and make a covenant with the nations around us, because from the time we separated ourselves from them, many evils have found us. So you can see there the beginning of this, of this capturing of the heart and mind of the people who were formerly the people who were covenanted with God alone. And they were saying, you know what? We really need to assimilate into this worldly uh, culture in order not to be rejected or prevented from uh, you know, participating in all the lives. And one of the things that they did is they actually undid the sign of circumcision, which is a whole dynamic that you don't even want to go into the details. It was really terrible. But um, in the Greek culture, the gymnasium had been introduced, and it was a major part of social participation in a city's uh, culture was to be a part of the gymnasium. And they did all their exercising and sports and games and stuff naked. And so it was very plain to see who were Jewish men and who weren't. So, I mean, it, it was... It was I a, don't know whether I'm going to participate. Uh, yeah, just, just hang on. And this is what Maccabee said. Um, they apostatized from the Holy Covenant and joined themselves to the nations and sold themselves to do evil. And then it goes on to speak of uh, Mattathias and his sons, his five sons, who were direct descendants of the priesthood of Aaron. 
and they lived in a place called Modain. And you know, a couple of weeks ago, we had Barry and Batia here, the Joseph Storehouse, and the the uh, Central Vision Warehouse Vision for Israel is in Modain, in the very city where, in the ancient times, Hanukkah originated, if you will, by the arising of the faithful priests. But uh, Mattathias, he was an elderly man. He was in his 80s. He refused the bribes from the king's officers. And uh, 1 Maccabees 2 says um, that he had an intense zeal for the law of God. And this is what he said, supposedly. God forbid that we should forsake the law and ordinances. We will not hearken to the king's word. This is Antiochus again to go from our religion either on the right hand or the left. And when he had left speaking these words, there came one of the Jews in the sight of all to sacrifice on the altar, which was at Modain, according to the king's commandment. So there was the, uh, with, from rising from within the Jews, these ones who were adopting all of the Greek things. So in this case, a particular Jewish man came forward to literally offer a pagan sacrifice on the altar. And that's one of the things that was required. And that lasted even into the Roman days, the Hellenization. There were certain things that you could do offering sacrifices and sometimes just praying, paying bribes under the table to prevent having to declare in public that Caesar was king. So all of these controversies, and for me, they reflect a lot of the things that are happening in America today with all of the political divisions and people trying to find out what is true, what is not. Anyway, it says here, when he had left speaking these words, there came one of the Jews inside of all to sacrifice on the altar. Again, this was a, to make a pagan sacrifice, which was at Modi'in, according to the king's commandments. Which thing, when Mattathias saw it, he was inflamed with zeal. He trembled inside, neither could he forbear to show his anger according to judgment. Wherefore, he ran and slew the man upon the altar. And also the king's commissioner who had compelled men to sacrifice, he killed at the same time, and the altar he pulled down. Thus he zealously dealt uh, for the law of God, like uh, Phineas. If you remember in Numbers 25, the same kind of thing happened when uh, God was calling for a rededication of the people of Israel. And they had married pagan wives and brought all of those idols into their own practices and cultures. And uh, at, at that time, as they were there making these declarations about turning to the Lord again, one of the Jewish men in defiance brought a Moabitess woman and, you know, went into his house there in the face of all of them. And Phineas ran and put a spear through both of them it, out of the, the zeal for the Lord. So um, that event sparked something. And what it sparked is it sparked a revolt. And it sparked a revival, a, a, a rising of courage in the people of God not to throw away their law, their Bible, their customs, their ritual, and not to allow their temple to continue to be desecrated. And so I encourage you to go and read Maccabees. It's a very exciting story. It goes through all of the details of how the, the, um, this little band of Jewish priests and then the people of Israel arose to, as Pastor said, they fought a succession of four or five major battles including one where 
um, uh, Antiochus brought elephants. He brought 32 armed elephants, which was something that Alexander the Great had introduced in terms of warfare. I mean, these were like the machines that nobody could conquer. And they armed these elephants. There's a picture. And they had um, towers on top of them that were had armed men in them. And um, with each one of those elephants, there were a thousand armed uh, infantry and 500 armed horsemen, cavalry riders, that were against these little bands of rebels. And so in the book of Maccabees, you'll get to read of these stories and these successive uh, miraculous victories. And it's interesting because in every one of them, they, the thing that they say is they encourage one another with words that um, uh, make you think of the words from Nehemiah and Ezra and some of those uh, other battles where they were encouraged to rise up and fight for their wives, their children, their houses. And the, the Maccabees repeat those very, very words. It's at this time that God gives them victory after victory. Uh, it was very supernatural. And so Hanukkah celebrates the occasion. It's not at the climax. It's kind of almost in the middle uh -huh. that they have victory enough to claim the temple. And so they go in and cleanse the temple. All the yucky stuff, the demon gods, or if I can, you know, the Greek gods. But for the Jewish people who believed in the, in the word from God, that, that was an abomination. So there would, the Hanukkah was an occasion, feast of dedication. They were dedicating the temple once again for pure worship of the Hebrew God and uh, so it now and just as a footnote some of you may study Leviticus 23 as which has a great list of the feasts introduced to Israel in the in their word the Tanakh but this feast is not mentioned in there because it's apart from it but this is the feast of dedication and this is what it meant the dedicated dedication of the temple and uh, the, it was quite a relief for these Jewish people who had been living under this oppression so of, and, and these were you can see the how important and how precious it is for the Jews to be able to worship their God with a measure of purity so this oppression was really yucky for them. And uh, they were not the Hellenistic philosophies they were trying to absorb. They were trying to tell the Jewish people, listen, this is great for everybody. And they redefined the Jewish life, the Jewish language, the Jewish lifestyle. And uh, this was a revival, uh -huh. this whole Maccabeus thing with uh, Judas Maccabeus and his army coming and restoring the worship, restoring the food laws, restoring circumcision, things that had been totally forbidden under Antiochus. 
and uh, but there were uh, there were about forty thousand, by the way, of the, the Syrian army, and they recaptured the temple, uh, and said so this time that they wanted at the time of rededication, they found the oil, and they wanted to light holy fire in the temple but they had uh, only enough oil to burn for one day and they went ahead in faith and burned so we have the candles here the Hanukkah that we have here with the nine lights the one in the middle it's a Shemesh the servant candle and it would represent um, the uh, what the legend says of the one cruise of oil that was found that was had not been profaned. And with it, they lit the first uh, candle of the menorah. The menorah, as you know, has seven candles, one for every day. But the Hanukkah commemorating this miraculous intervention of God at this time um, when the people of God and the word of God, the light of God was attempting to be snuffed out. It represents the fact that it lit for the first day and burned all that day, and the oil continued to the second day and the third day. And mm-hmm. so the four candles on either side of the, the servant candle represents the eight days that the menorah continued to burn. And so for me, what's impressive, there was only enough oil to have the fire going on for one day. But miraculously... God multiplied the oil and it kept on being lit for eight days. And uh, it says in the Torah, for example, I'm quoting here, bring you pure oil of pressed olives for the light to cause the lamp to burn continually. And so instead of just one day, eight days. So that's part of the Hanukkah miracle. Um, so in memory of this miracle Hanukkah it's an eight day celebration was established on each day an additional branch was lit and uh, so that's why the nine candles for the Hanukkah uh, and the Shamash it's called the, that's the helper candle the servant yeah. the servant candle the type of the Holy Spirit. Amen. That's also in the book of Revelations. Mm-hmm. The seven spirits of God. Uh, representative again, the, the Lord. And there are the nine gifts. Uh, we will go into that some other time. Uh, but again, that's the light helps encourage us to know in the midst of darkness, we are the light. And Jesus, ultimately, this is also exalting Jesus. He is, the Gospel of John tells us, he is the light of the world. And Jesus himself said, I am the light. So he is the supernatural light that lights us today. Uh, the connection there is pretty significant even um, in the record of the Gospels about Jesus being 
in the temple during the feast of dedication. And the, uh, the event would have had the whole atmosphere once again sort of vibrating with the expectation of the coming of the Messiah, of the revealing of the Messiah. Because since the first time of the rise of these priests in you know, pushing back the powers of darkness, um, and then ultimately they had a measure of victory, regained their temple for a while, and then lost it. And of course, we know that there were two great periods of exile where the people of Israel were totally thrust out of their land. And so in these days, the days of Jesus, when you read in your Bibles, John chapter 9 and 10, recognize that surrounding all of those events and the controversy with the Pharisees and the various things that were happening were in this wider political atmosphere that would have been rife at that moment because here was this new rabbi, this one that was doing miracles that people were following after. And so here came the Pharisees demanding to know if he was actually that Messiah that ultimately was promised by God to come in their expectation to overthrow the, the human political system and establish you know, that earthly kingdom. And so that gives you some context to the confrontation, three of them, uh, between Jesus and the Pharisees over the healing of a blind man, for instance. And if you go back and think about it in, in these terms, one of there are a number of things that, that jumped out to me afresh this year, but frankly, it's because I have been um, unhappy and, and really seeking the Lord about how we are supposed to respond to this last two or three years, the political evolution and events that have happened, the COVID dynamic, the many things that are being foisted upon us, and recognizing that for the church, one of the major things is an insistence that we be driven out of communal worship, that we be forbidden a public gathering together. And everything about that concerns me in terms of the wider spiritual ramifications. Um, but in, in the same context as I was looking, there is actually, you know, with the whole cancel culture and the ostracization of people, and it is seeped into the COVID management where vaccinated, unvaccinated, if you're not vaccinated, you may not participate in our regular society or, you know, if you are vaccinated, somehow it makes you morally superior. And all of those things have started to, to come in a very dynamic way to affect the body of Christ. And as you know, you've heard from us, our ethos here is to be practical, to follow your conscience, but the church will stand together as one family, as one body. And there it went again, ping. Did you hear the ping? Bing. Um, but anyway, all of that in, in John chapter 9 and, and going into chapter 10, one of the things that happens in that politically rife uh, situation at the time of Hanukkah, the rededication of the temple, a, a blind man gets healed by Jesus and he's kicked out of the synagogue because of the possibility that he's following this rabbi as the Messiah. So it's, it's, it, it's very interesting. I hope the Lord will help us to lift some of our traditional assumptions 
where we've gotten very familiar with the Word of God and maybe it's not as powerful to us as it could be because we've not recognized or not realized some of its um, historical context and import. One of the things that I noticed about uh, John 10, as I wrote down, this is Jesus' Hanukkah sermon. And it, in it, he is, he is putting forth ultimate identity, security, and destiny. And he does it in a very simple way. He says, my sheep receive my voice. I know them. They follow me. They have eternal life and nobody can take them out of my hand. And that's basically Jesus' Hanukkah sermon. So for us, he says, my sheep <laughs> receive my voice. I know them. They follow me. They have eternal life. Basically meaning everything and anything else that rises up as opposition in this world is only temporary. And there is a way to view it and to go through it. They have eternal life and nobody can pluck them out of my hand. So I wrote down current events mirror former ones of Hanukkah, suppression of free speech, freedom of religion if you're worshiping the true God, scripture and scripture ritual is criminalized, which unfortunately has been happening. Where the Bible exposes sin, the spirit of Antichrist calls the Bible hate speech. We're seeing a similar, a similar thing with the attempt in ancient Greek to homogenize or Hellenize everyone into a language and culture, pagan gods but no true God. And it says that the Mac in, in Maccabees, when, when these events were happening to them, what did they do? They opened their book. They turned back to their Bibles. They turned back to the Word of God. And that's where they found their inspiration, their courage, and their direction, even to the point of putting their lives on the line in the face of impossible odds. And the Lord was with them, I believe, to establish once again a testimony, which is what the light is all about. And in fact, in the Hanukkah ritual celebrated by Jewish families today, the, the, from ancient times, the event is that you take the menorah and you put it in the window. In other words, you're putting your light on display and you're saying to the whole world, I serve a living God. I'm not willing to compromise in his covenant in the laws of morality and, and all of those things that, that his, his word um, directs us into. So uh, another thing that I, that I wrote here is um, in 1 John 4, it says that the spirit of Antichrist is already loosed in the world. And even though we think of Hanukkah as this happy sort of uh, Jewish version of Christmas, the reality is what it's really about is the confrontation between light and darkness and the spirit of Christ and the spirit of Antichrist. And so again, for me, it's a time that's very pertinent right now. We should never be apologetic when it comes here is the battle, uh -huh. light and darkness. Yeah. And don't ever hesitate knowing that the darkness cannot conquer the light. The light is there, and that's part of the prophetic message for us today. Yeah. In the midst of some of these conferences, in the midst of all these fear uh, transmissions from different 
not only from the media, from the internet and all of that, wherever they can, they're trying to put fear on us that we will, that the darkness cannot conquer the light. So that is one of the Hanukkah messages for us. The light of Hanukkah is prophetic and it shone and it was precursor prophesying that about 200 years from then the true light the permanent light the eternal light of Jesus himself was going to shine forth and the darkness could not overwhelm it and then it concludes our, our the message in scripture then in uh, Zechariah 4 it says and the angel that talked with me came again and waked me as a man that is wakened out of his sleep and said unto me, What seest thou? And I said, I have looked, and behold, a candlestick of all of gold yes. with a bowl upon the top of it yes. and his seven lamps thereon and seven pipes to the seven lamps which are upon the top thereof and two olive trees by it, one upon the right side of the bowl and the other upon the left side thereof. So I answered and spoke to the angel that talked with me, saying, What are these, my Lord? Then the angel that talked with me answered and said unto me, Thou knowest not what these be? And I said, No, my Lord. Then he answered and said unto me, saying, This is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, saying, Not by might, yes. nor by power, but by my spirit, said the Lord of hosts. Hallelujah. Say after me, not by might. Not by might. Nor by power. Nor by power. But by my spirit. But by my spirit. Said the Lord. Says the Lord. Amen. And so at this Hanukkah time, we are declaring over you and yours that your home will be filled with light and you will be shining brightly. We put on you the words from Isaiah 60, arise and shine. For your light has come, and the glory of the Lord is risen on you. Though darkness covers the earth and deep darkness, the hearts of people, the Lord is rising over you. His glory will be seen on you, and Gentiles, unbelievers, those who walk in darkness, will come to the rising of your light. Kings will come to the brightness of your rising. Amen. So, we want to wish you a blessed, anointed Hanukkah. Um, the dreidels are like little noisemakers, aren't they? They're tops. Oh, they're tops, that's right. But there is something that, oh, I'm thinking of Purim. Yes, you are. Without. <laughs> so take, take, a, take a bit of time this year. Again, you can go online, Book of Maccabees. Read the first four, five, six chapters of the first Book of Maccabees to read some of these details of these inspiring um, things that happen at that time that we're still being celebrated by Jesus in his day and are still being celebrated 
by the Jewish people as a demonstration that the lamp of the true God of the Bible will never be put out. And as Jesus said, you are the light of the world. Amen. Praise God. So let's bow our heads. Father, we thank you for being able to be in your word this morning. Thank you. As this has been a Thanksgiving weekend, Lord, we are so grateful that part of our heritage is the freedom we have to worship as the Lord wants us to, that we free. Therefore, we thank, thank you for America, Jesus. Lord. Yes. We say God bless America. Thank you. For all the freedoms. We pray no thief, robber can be allowed in. Thank you, Jesus. We say, Holy Spirit, come. Oust every power that would put us captive. Thank you for the freedom to be able to honor, bow, give all credit to our Lord. The name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Alpha, Thank Omega. Emmanuel, God with us. Thank you, Jesus. Unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. And to him will go all the glory and the praise. Thank you. Heavenly Father, we love you. We honor you. Thank you. This morning, if anyone needs the Lord or the Holy Spirit, Father, Thank you, let Jesus. them know this is the time. Come, Lord, in Jesus' name. Thank Amen. You. We hope you enjoyed this message. To order more great resources by Mahesh and Bonnie Chavda, visit us at chavdaministries.org. For a full catalog of our products, you can call us at 1-800-730-6264. God bless you.